I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And good morning. We welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the winning of the lost and the edification of God's saints. Gospel Dynamite is a ministry of Asbury Baptist Church located at 218 Asbury Church Road, Seagrove, North Carolina. I invite you to visit our church on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. You're also invited to visit our website, www.asburybaptist.org. In addition, you can reach more messages and more Bible teaching on gospeldynamite.org as well. Now will you join me in studying the Word of God? You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. Thank you for joining us. I invite you to take your Bible, turn with us to Revelation chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, as we examine the preparation for the bold judgments. Revelation chapter 15 and verse 1. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass having the harps of God. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints." Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. And after that I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And the seven angels came out of the temple having the seven plagues clothed in pure and white linen and having their breasts girded with golden girdles. And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God who liveth forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power and no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. The book of Revelation is a book of contrast. And as we move through this blessed book, we're taken back and forth between heaven and the earth. We're allowed to witness scenes of joy in heavens, and we are confronted with scenes of judgment on the earth. Now in the heavens, you see the scenes of worship. On the earth, you see the scenes of wrath. In this chapter, we're once again taken into heaven, and in these eight verses, which comprise the shortest chapter in the Revelation, we are allowed to see a vision of heaven as God prepares for his final judgment of the tribulation earth. There's already been great suffering as the judgment of God has been unleashed on the earth, and when these judgments are poured out on the world, they serve to increase the agony of the wicked. Now, we want to examine John's vision today. We're given a glimpse of heaven as it prepares for final judgment. 
Up to this point, God has mingled mercy and judgment, and up to this point, God has been leaving the door to repentance ajar just a bit. Now, humanity has made its final choice. The world has chosen Satan over God, and judgment is coming. There will be no mercy. There will be no opportunity. There will be no long-suffering or grace. There will only be judgment and the wrath of God for those who have rejected Jesus Christ. Now let's join John as he looks in on this scene of heavenly preparations. Now I want to bring to your attention verses 1 and 7. We see a vision of judgment. John tells us that he saw another sign. The word sign is the same word translated wonder in Revelation 12 and verse 1 and verse 3 of that same chapter. In Revelation 12 and 1, saw a woman representing the nation of Israel. In Revelation 12 and verse 3, John saw a great red dragon representing Satan. In these verses, John sees seven angels who will be God's instruments of final judgment upon the earth. Now, John tells us that this vision is both great and marvelous. The word great speaks of something that is important and astonishing. The word marvelous has the idea of something to be wondered at. John is calling our attention to this vision because what is happening here is something that is important, something that is amazing. You see, in the last chapter, we saw the horrifying judgments of God as they were visited on the earth. Here, we're allowed to see the judgment from heaven's perspective as it prepares for judgment. Now, we notice in verse 1, we see it's a scene of final judgment. John sees seven angels, and these angels have the seven last plagues. The word plague means a hitting or a wound. What we see here is God's hitting the earth and wounding it in judgment. The lashes of God's whip of judgment has begun to fall on the world system, and there's nothing that can stop the damage that is about to be inflicted on those who have rejected Christ and his gospel of grace. And when these seven judgments are poured out on the earth, they will complete the judgments of the tribulation period. Verse 1 says that through these judgments, the wrath of God is filled up. The phrase translates the Greek word telos. It is the same word used by Jesus when he was dying on the cross. Just before he died, he cried, It is finished! John 19 and verse 30. The word is very expressive, and it was used in many ways in that society, such as servants who used it when they had completed an assignment. Priests used this word when they had located a worthy animal to be used as a sacrifice. Farmers would use this word when a perfect specimen had been born into their flock. Artists used it when they had put the finishing touches on a work or art. Merchants used it when a deal had been struck, and often their receipt would contain this word. It meant that the debt had been paid in full. 
Soldiers would use it when they placed their foot on the neck of a vanquished foe. Homeowners used it when they had paid the last payment on their mortgage. They would often inscribe the word on the plaque and nail it to the front of the house, revealing to all who passed by that the final payment had been paid. Jesus Christ used this word on Calvary to let everyone know that he had finished the Father's work and that redemption's price had been fully and finally paid. Praise the Lord. Salvation is finished. And it is used here to signify completion as well. When these seven last plagues are poured out, God's judgment on this world will be finished, for it is a scene of full judgment. The seven angels are given seven vials or bowls, and these bowls are said to be full of the wrath of God, and the word full means to be swelled. It was used in that day of a ship that was filled with cargo, and here it refers to the wrath of God that is reaching the bursting point. Up until now, the wrath of God has been like water flowing over a dam. The damage has been severe, but the dam has held back the worst part of it. In these verses, the dam of God's wrath is about to break and the waters of judgment are going to drown both sin and sinner. In Revelation chapter 14 and verse 10, the Bible says, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. Judgment is coming and there is no escape. In 1899 in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, which was a growing steel town located around the Stony Creek River. It had a population of some 30,000 people on May 31st, 1899. At 4.07 p.m., after a night of heavy rains, the South Fort Dam burst. And when it did, 20 million tons of water came crashing down this narrow valley, boiling with huge chunks of debris, and the wall of flood water grew at times to 60 feet high, tearing downhill at 40 miles per hour, leveling everything in its path. And when the dam broke, the water came hurtling toward Johnstown, and the people heard the roar and understood what had happened. Thousands tried to escape, but were soon overtaken by the waters. When the next day dawned, over 2,200 people were dead. Some of the bodies were not uncovered until years after the flood. There was no time to escape, and there were no means of escape. Johnstown was destroyed without mercy in a matter of minutes. That is but a glimpse of the horror that is coming on this world when God's wrath is poured out. The dam will break and judgment will fall and you must be sure that you are in Christ Jesus and secure from the wave of wrath that will soon come upon this lost world. It is coming. Also in verses 2 and 4, I call your attention not only to a vision of judgment, but a vision of jubilation. Even as heaven prepares to unleash judgment upon the earth, there is rejoicing in heaven. 
and we can thank God that there's a land that is free from the cares and the sin and the sufferings of this world every time. We're privileged to look into heaven. We see the same thing. We see the saints of God rejoicing and the presence of their Redeemer. This vision is no different. In verse 2, we see the setting of this jubilation. These saints are standing on a sea of glass and they're mingled with fire. And this glassy sea speaks of God's judgment as being firm and fixed. On this earth, there's nothing more constantly changing than the ocean. And the sea is never still, and it's never the same, and this sea is solid and unmoving. Judgment is, is fixed, and it cannot be altered. It is mingled with fire to remind us that God is a God of wrath, and he is in the process of judging the world. If you remember, there was a sea of brass called the laver outside the tent of the tabernacle. And before the priest entered the tent, they were required to wash in the laver. It symbolized cleansing and forgiveness of sin. How many times have we stopped by the laver of 1 John 1, 9, which says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not only does he wash my sins away, but he washes my stains away. We should thank God there's a place of forgiveness and restoration today. In heaven, the sea of brass has become a sea of glass. There will be no more need for saints to come to God for cleansing. We will never fail him again. That is the real blessing. But for the lost sinner, the sea reminds us that it has become too late for repentance. Judgment is set Judgment is fixed. Man has reached his limitation with God and he is about to pour out his wrath on a lost and sinful world. And this, my friend, is the horror that awaits the earth dwellers. Verse 2, we see the source of the jubilation. Those heaven dwellers are rejoicing. And I might add, with good reason. These are the tribulation saints that we met back in Revelation 7, 9 through 17. These are people who heard the gospel when it was preached during the tribulation. They heard the call of God, and they repented of their sins, and they were saved. Many of them were called upon to give their lives for Christ. And this they did, dying horrible deaths at the hand of the Antichrist. Now they are home in heaven, safe, secure, and saved. They rejoice in the victory that they've been given. And while those who dwell on the earth wreathe under the lashes of God's whip of wrath, these saints of God stand perfect and holy and saved in the presence of God, and they praise him for his grace in salvation. Notice here with me in verses 3 and 4, we see the song of this jubilation. The tribulation saints lift their voices in song to praise God who redeemed their souls. 
We're told that they sing two songs. They sing the song of Moses and they sing the song of the Lamb. Now, the song of Moses is found in Exodus chapter 15. It is the first song in the Bible. The song of the Lamb is the last song recorded in the Bible. The song of Moses was sung by the children of Israel when they had been delivered from Egypt and Pharaoh. The song of the Lamb is sung by the saints of God when they're delivered from the Antichrist. The song of Moses was sung by the Red Sea. The song of the Lamb is sung on the glassy sea. The song of Moses was to praise God for bringing his people out. The song of the Lamb is sung to praise God for bringing his people in. Both songs are songs of redemption and praise for the God who excels in delivering his people from sin and sinners. Verse 3, they sing of his works. They sing of the God who works in power and moves in glory. In verse 3, they also sing of his ways. They sing of the God whose ways are always right and just. They sing of his wonder in verse 4. They exalt his greatness and magnify the God who alone is worthy to be praised. Also in verse 4, they sing of his worship. They sing of the God who is worthy to receive and will receive the worship of all mankind. Verse 4, they sing of his wrath. They sing of the God who alone is worthy to judge sin and sinners because he alone is holy and just. These saints have been through a terrible time. But they found God to be a faithful God. He has saved them. He has kept them. He carried them home to glory. And they stand in his presence and lift their voices in song to the God of their salvation. Heaven will surely be a place of praise. It's a place filled with singing. We love good singing down here, but it's going to be a place of perfect pitch and harmony, and we're going to sing the songs of praise to God who saved us from our sins and from his wrath. Notice with me also in verses 5 through 8, we see a vision of justice. The scene changes. Our attention is focused on the tabernacle in heaven. What John sees here is the original tabernacle. The one Moses built in the wilderness was patterned after this heavenly place of worship. And it is from this tabernacle that God's judgment issues forth onto the earth. Verse 5, justice is decreed. This place, John sees, is called the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony. The word testimony refers to the law that was handed down to Moses on Mount Sinai. The ancient law set God's standard for living. And through the law, God manifested his glory and his holiness. The law also showcased 
the sinfulness of man. The law was given so that men might understand the holiness of God, what he expected from people. The tables of the law were placed in the Ark of the Covenant as a permanent witness to Israel of the holy demands of a righteous God. Here in heaven, John sees that the law is still in force. The law of God has always served as God's standard of righteousness, and it always will. Man tried to alter the standards of God, but they are carved in stone and they are unchanging. Men have broken the law of God, and the law demands that men be judged. God will defend his righteousness and judge all those who violate his law. That is what is about to take place in the next chapter. By the way, Jesus came to fulfill the law for all those who will put their faith in him. He has not abolished the law, but he has fulfilled it for those who are born again, Colossians 2, 13 and 14. Now, when a person's faith rests in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, they are not required to keep the law to please the Lord. They are, however, expected to live holy lives for the glory of God. The law no longer stands in judgment over the redeemed saints of God. For in Jesus, we are seen as righteous. Verses 6 and 7, we see justice is delivered. Seven angels appear out of the temple of heaven. They're clothed in pure and white linen. Now, this signifies their holiness, and it reflects the holiness of the one they serve. They wear golden girdles around their chest. This speaks of the majesty and the glory of God that they serve. And these angels have in their hands the seven last plagues that will be poured out on the earth. These are the four beasts we met in Revelation 4, verses Four through eight. They exist to glorify the God of all creation. And these beasts give the angels seven bowls filled with God's wrath. And this signifies the fact that the plagues of the tribulation will be carried out because of God's wrath and anger against sin and sinners. Noteworthy to add here that God's wrath has been building against sin ever since Adam and Eve sinned in Eden. One day the wrath of God will boil over and absolute judgment will be the end result. The only refuge a sinner has, whether it's now or in the future, is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 8, we see the, that justice is dispensed. The temple that was standing open has been closed. No one is allowed to enter because it's filled with the glory and the presence of Almighty God. 
This image indicates that the day of mercy is past. The door will be opened again during the millennial kingdom, but it's been closed for the duration of the tribulation and will not be open. Man's access into grace and salvation has been forever cut off. The door has been closed and God is going to judge sinners and there is nothing they can do to stop him. It's too late to pray. It's too late to repent. It's too late to change. It is too late. There is no more hope. There is no more grace. There is no more opportunity. That door is shut and it will never be open to them again. And in closing, Call your attention to Matthew 25, verses 1 through 10. We certainly don't have the time to read it, but I encourage you to do so. For in this passage, Jesus tells a parable about ten virgins. Five are wise, five are foolish. The five wise virgins were ready when the bridegroom came and they entered in with him and his bride. The five foolish virgins were not ready. They had no oil in their lamps. And while they were gone to get their oil, the door was shut. It was closed. They were shut out of the wedding chamber. That parable will be a reality in many people's lives one day. Do not let it be true in your life. You need to be sure that you know him. You need to be sure that you're born again and saved. You may say, well, I've made a profession of faith. You may have made a profession of faith. But let me tell you something, don't rely on that. If you have no hunger to serve and to, to get more of God and his word, you're not born again according to the word of God. We've had too many false professions where people are riding on the coattails of easy believism and sensationalism. Get in the word of God and make sure according to it, your calling and election is sure. My friend, in that day, he will offer salvation no more. All he will give then is judgment, wrath, and damnation. I urge you, get in while the door is still open. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We trust it's been a blessing. Trust you'll have a great week in the Lord. Log on to our website, gospeldynamite.org. And let us know if you've accepted Christ or this message has helped you. God bless you and we trust you have a great day in the Lord.